Monday Rose, pretty lady, my peach, my peach. Welcome to Grapples and Apples, the podcast that talks about everything from professional wrestling to whether or not you've ever had pasta on pizza. Because I had that for the first time this week and I didn't even know what was going on in my mouth. It was crazy. Anyway, you're listening to us on SoundCloud.com slash Grapples Apples. That's Grapples the number two apples. You also might be checking us out on Google Play Music or on Apple Podcasts. It doesn't matter where you're listening, as long as you're listening. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Ill Will, the Thrill, the Poetarian, Shakespearean, Candidate, Major English, whatever you need me to be, that's who I'll be, because maybe that's who I is coming to you during this lockdown, stay-at-home, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, time in the middle of this horrific pandemic. But, as always, we still bring you the live shows, we still bring you the wrestling news, because that's what we do here at Grapple to Apples. Unfortunately, this week, I am by my lonesome. Mr. Shades could not join us, even remotely from a sexual palace, he couldn't make it this week, but it's okay. Because I'm still here. I still got your back. I still got your news. I still got your your topics of conversation and whatnots. I'm still here, folks. This week's headlines include... Is the dream turned into a nightmare? AEW? Are you as evil as WWE? WWE 2K21. Will you be worse than 2K20? Will you even exist? We got some Money in the Bank qualifiers and a celebration of one of the all-time greats. Before we get into all that, I need to do a little something, something. I don't got shades to do it for me, so I got to do it myself. What I got to do, I got to ring that bell. So in some non-WWE news, that's why we tend to cover these things. We tend to go outside of WWE first. We have Impact Wrestling hosting their two-night pay-per-view called Rebellion. It was supposed to be a one-night pay-per-view, but instead, because of what's going on with the ongoing global pandemic, they turned it into a two-night event, living, you know, I'm living, you hear me? Airing live, or not live, but airing taped on their, as part of their regular weekly access programming. So week one or night one was this past Tuesday, and night two will take place next Tuesday on the 28th. Um, night one had some new people coming about. We had some, you know, uh, fatal four-way match, nothing really crazy. The only thing that we did have was we had a crowning of a brand new X division champion. That's right. Willie Mack defeated Ace Austin to become the new X division champion at night one of rebellion night two. We're going to see what happens with the Impact World Championship. Tessa Blanchard, the reigning champion, was not able to make it um, to the tapings because of COVID-19. She was supposed to be in a triple threat match. So we're going to see um, how that shakes out and what the results are going to be. What are they going to do with the title? So on and so forth. Also in non-WWE news, the only other bit of non-WWE news is AEW. According to reports, they will be returning in May, running live shows every other week, presumably a a taped show in space of the other week. Now, if I'm being totally honest, I don't like this one bit. Um, We gave AEW, I mean, we gave WWE a whole lot of flack for them doing, going back to live shows, which they've started this week. 
And so, you know, it wouldn't be fair for me or us here at Grapples to Apples. I'm, I'm not speaking for Shades, obviously. I'm speaking for myself only here. But it wouldn't be right for me to criticize WWE for doing that, but then not criticize AEW. I understand circumstances are different in terms of WWE being a significantly larger company with billions of dollars, and AEW is a startup in their first year of being a promotion. However, you know, whether money is involved or not, I still don't like the idea of risking the health and well-being of your wrestlers and your staff, so on and so forth. If it were up to me, they would kind of do what Impact did, get together for a day or two, record a bunch of stuff, have yourself covered for as long as you possibly can, and then send everybody home. When you run out of footage, you do it again. Um, I think that's the way that all the promotions should be running. If they decide to do tapings, it should be you get you get everyone in the room, you tape for a few hours, you try and get as much footage as possible, you send everyone home, you do it again when you have to. That's just my personal opinion. Obviously, I don't have a say in this, you know, but that's just what I think should happen. New Japan still not doing any shows, uh, but they're paying all their their wrestlers. Ring of Honor is not doing any shows. They're paying their wrestlers. Um, Impact is doing the, you know, mass tapings. I wish WWE and AEW were doing the same. But again, I will not beat a dead horse because that's just cruel. Now, let's move on to WWE news. First things first, let's talk about the atrocity that was WWE 2K20. Released earlier this year, as they release every year around the same time, I think it's around September, October, something like that, WWE has been releasing a yearly video game, I want to say as far back as like 1998, um, whether it was, you know, from THQ doing the, you know, WrestleMania 2000 and No Mercy, so when they started doing the PlayStation stuff with like um, SmackDown or when they did Raw vs. SmackDown and so on and so forth, they've, they've been releasing a yearly video game for quite some time now, but while it was already speculated or at least wished upon by its fans, it's now become official probably more because of the pandemic than anything else that... WWE and 2K Sports will not be releasing a WWE 2K21. That will not be happening. It's 100% officially canceled. 2K Games or 2K Sports um, has said that they will be releasing something for the WWE in the upcoming year, but it will not be, you know, a simula quote-unquote simulation wrestling game the way that, you know, the 2K games have been. I'm curious and concerned as to what that kind of game is going to be. Is it going to be like wrestlers doing other stuff? Like, is it going to be like a, I don't know, like a shooter using wrestlers likenesses or like a family game, like a party game using wrestlers likenesses? I don't know. I Is it going to be more arcadey? I have no idea. But point is, as of the debacle that was 2K20 and with the ongoing crisis, there will not be a 2K21. Next up, last week we had what we called Black Wednesday, where about 40 uh, different wrestlers were released, and I, they mentioned that there was, I think, 40% of the staff 
and employed people within WWE were fired or let go or furloughed or something. A lot of people lost their jobs in WWE last week. What it was for, you know, that remains up in the air as to what the real reason was. Um, But a couple days after Black Wednesday... There was um, reports of NXT releases, including, I think we mentioned Deanna Parazzo. One that was mentioned or not mentioned was Cassius Ono. Cassius Ono, who originally was an indie wrestler by the name of Chris Hero, um, was with WWE's Cassius Ono once before, was originally supposed to be the third member of The Shield, along with um, Ambrose and Rollins, and then was switched out for Roman Reigns in the last minute. Then was fired for uh, by WWE because he had gained some weight. Went back to the indie scene as Chris Hero. Rehired to WWE. Uh, he was doing a more of a player coach kind of role in NXT. And then went over to NXT UK to do more of the same. And it looks like he was released. Um, while there was no official statement. And while his name was not listed in the official release. He did take it to his personal Twitter and announced that he was released and changed his whole Twitter profile handle to Chris Hero once again. And his profile picture is now a picture of his boots in a dark lit ring with the spotlight on his ring boots. Does this mean he's going to retire? Um, that seems to be the general consensus in terms of speculation is that he will be retiring from in-ring action. Who knows? Maybe he's going to go ahead and, and take a, a coaching role or a um, producer's role maybe in the independent circuit or with another promotion or in a wrestling school. I have no idea. I do know that Cassius Ono is a well-respected, highly regarded professional wrestler who has a lot to offer in terms of teaching young talent both you know how to work in the ring and also how to cut a promo. So... I do. I would not be surprised if he finds himself in some sort of teaching role, and um, whatever he ends up doing, I just hope nothing for the best for him. Uh, next up, someone who um, is not being thought the best of, Vince McMahon, the boss. Here at W, here at Grapples Apples, we have our own opinions on Vince McMahon. You know, some of our opinions have uh, we have not been shy about making those opinions known here on the show. Well, some other people have also not made have also made their opinions quite known in ways of lawsuits. So according to some reports, the GM, I'm sorry, the um, commissioner of the XFL is one of among few who are suing Vince McMahon as part of a wrongful termination lawsuit because of the way the XFL was disbanded. So the XFL filed bankruptcy amidst the whole COVID-19. Of course, there's no sports going on, so they had to shut down. So he, Vince McMahon, while declaring bankruptcy, also fired you know, all of the coaches, players, commissioner, GMs, all that stuff. According to reports, there was a downside guarantee or some sort of uh, money owed to the commissioner that was in his contract that Vince McMahon apparently found some sort of loophole to not have to pay that. And so now that man is fi- is, uh, is suing Vince McMahon directly for um, 
uh, what did I say? For oh, what do you when you fire somebody you're not supposed to? Wrongful termination. There you go. Sorry about that, folks. Uh, being sued for wrongful termination, I would not be surprised if he's also sued for breach of contract. Um, the problem that I'm seeing here is, from what I understand, the lawsuit is against Vince McMahon directly instead of the business entity that owns XFL that Vince McMahon owns. Um, let me see if I can find that. Actually, I forgot the name of it, but according to uh, a different report that I read, that's where the person would have a better chance of winning the lawsuit because the contract was made through Alpha Entertainment. That's what it's called. So Alpha Entertainment is owned by Vince McMahon. XFL is a property of Alpha Entertainment. So from what I understand, it would have been a lot easier for the XFL commissioner, Oliver Luck, to win the lawsuit had he been going after Alpha Entertainment versus Vince McMahon. However, what I'm guessing is because the XFL was shut down, um, the commissioner, Oliver Luck, probably thought it might be easier to go after Vince McMahon and his personal money rather than Alpha Entertainment because they might be short of funds considering they just declared bankruptcy for the XFL. So in a financial way, that makes a lot of sense, and I get that, why Oliver Luck would go after Vince personally, but from a legal perspective, I think because he's going after Vince directly rather than Alpha Entertainment, which his contract was for, that's where I think he might run into trouble legally, but, you know, who knows? I'm not here to, to, pay, to play lawyer or to play judge, I'm also not here to pick sides, um, but Vince McMahon is being sued yet again. And it looks like it will not be ending here because I think there are other executives and other people who have worked for XFL who are working for XFL who will also be suing Vince McMahon during this whole situation. I mean, let's be real here. Vince has made a lot of really bad business moves in the last few years. And with this whole thing going on, with the global pandemic, with COVID, all of these bad decisions are starting to come to the light. And so, you know... I mean, look, the dude's a billionaire, and the WWE has a quadrillion dollars, so I'm sure they'll be fine, but I think at some point, Vince's luck, no pun intended, is going to run out. So we'll see. Now, the last bit of WWE news, I was saving this for last because I was kind of hoping to not have to get to this, because this is just really, this is really ugly stuff here. Earlier today on social media... Um, it was news broke that Velveteen Dream, I believe his real name is, uh, Patrick Stewart, Patrick, no, not Patrick Stewart, Patrick something, um, is being accused of sending explicit content, Patrick Clark, Jesus, I knew that, Patrick Clark, um, Apparently, there's allegations that he sent explicit content content to a minor. Um, I believe this is photos and or some sort of audio. And he has released a statement, according to Velveteen Dream. He's saying that this was done by a by somebody, not him, and that he's looking in he's looking to work with a third party 
to get to the bottom of the situation. Now, this is a huge, huge allegation to be made against Velveteen Dream. Um, Patrick Clark is a fantastic professional wrestler. He has so much promise. He, you know, has such charisma. The, the man oozes charisma. He has nothing but a bright future ahead of him. But if these allegations are true, it is absolutely deplorable. Now, his tweet reads, Be assured I did not communicate inappropriately with anybody. A private photo of mine was shared without my consent or knowledge, and I am working with a third party to look into this matter. So, he is denying any sort of involvement. I'm, I'm hoping, A, for his sake, but also for the sake of, you know, the world, I guess, that he is telling the truth. And I say this, A, because I am a fan of Velveteen Dream. I am a fan of, of, of Patrick Clark. I do think he's a tremendous talent. And if this were to be true, A, not only would he lose my support 100%, but I think this will severely affect his career. I don't know how much. The professional wrestling industry is sometimes, unfortunately, too forgiving, in my opinion. Um, but this could very well either hinder slash delay his career for quite some time, or it could flat out end his career. So, A, for that reason, I hope it's not true. Secondly, I just hope that, you know, for the sake of humanity, that there isn't uh, a, you know, a grown man, a, how old is Velveteen? Born 95, so I hope... I really hope that a 24-year-old man is not out here sending inappropriate pictures or anything inappropriate to minors. Um, I don't care if it's Patrick Clark, the professional wrestler, or, you know, Patrick, insert phony last name, who lives down the block, like, whatever. I I'm, I hope that there's nobody sending inappropriate pictures to minors it's disgusting it's inexcusable it's deplorable it's it's just it's gross i mean i don't know what other way to put it than it's disgusting and if this comes out to be true if we somehow get proof that this was patrick clark who sent this to a minor then like as far as i'm concerned that he's that's he's persona non grata I'm hoping that we can get some surefire evidence that he did not do this. Again, for the reasons I stated previously. So, that is the big news coming out of WWE. That was the news that came out of the world outside of professional wrestling. But, we had Raw, we had SmackDown, we had the Wednesday Night Wars. So... Let's jump into some of that stuff. I'm not going to spend too much time on all that because I'm not going to. We don't, that's just, I don't want to. Um, the main thing I do want to focus on for both Raw and SmackDown are the Money in the Bank qualifiers. So last week we did announce that there will be Money in the Bank taking place and they will have a Money in the Bank 
match. However, it's going to be a little different this year. And we, I, I will say, I regret that we were that we did not disclose the details of Money in the Bank because this is the first time we're doing anything like this. And you know, for those of you who didn't watch it, the whole point of you guys listening to us is that you know whatever you missed, we're here to let you know what's going on. So, Money in the Bank this year. Instead of a traditional ladder match, this is going to be taking place in within Titan Towers in Stamper, Connecticut. What the gimmick that they're kind of imploring is to climb the corporate ladder for money in the bank. So from what I understand, the match is going to start at the bottom floor of the building and you have to traverse your way up to the roof. At the top of the roof, that's where I'm guessing there'll be one last ladder that's suspending the money in the brave the money in the bank briefcase, or for safety reasons, I'm hoping it's something more like it's just sitting on like a stool or something. I don't know because the idea of a ladder and a briefcase being suspended on a roof of a building does not sit well with me. But I don't know, no idea. So. That's what they're doing for the money in the bank matches. Instead of the traditional ladder match, it's going to be a climb the corporate ladder as they go through the building. So as of now, we've had a couple qualifiers for the match. Um, so far, the qualifiers that we have are Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, Lacey Evans, and next week we have Mandy Rose and Carmella facing off for that last spot in that match. So Asuka, Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Dana Brooke, and Lacey Evans have all earned their spot, while Mandy Rose and Carmella will face off one-on-one next week to determine who will take that final spot in the Money in the Bank ladder match. The uh, This week's episode of SmackDown had Lacey Evans versus Sasha Banks for that spot, and um, the, the, that's worth mentioning for two reasons. A, Lacey Evans won, so now she's in the Money in the Bank match. But also, we start to see some some tension between Sasha and Bailey. So, the conclusion of the match is Lacey Evans decks Sasha with the women's right. Sasha's laid out near the ropes. So, Bailey grabs Sasha's leg, puts it on the bottom rope. To break up the count. So the ref breaks up the count. Um, Lacey Evans gets up. And pulls Bailey up by the hair. And kind of pulls Bailey into the ring. So then the ref. Is then distracted with Bailey. Trying to get her out of the ring. And while that's happening. Sasha Banks rolls up Lacey Evans. She has her rolled up for like 10 seconds. I don't understand how anyone can be rolled up for that long. But whatever. It's neither here nor there. So. While that's happening, the referee's still distracted with Bailey. He finally turns around, and Lacey Evans kicks out after two, at which point she gets up, Sasha gets up, and she clocks Sasha one more time with the um, the women's right. She beats Sasha to win the match. She then, um, this takes place, so after the kickout at two, Sasha goes over to Bailey and starts yelling at her to, like, stay out of the ring and, like, you know, butt out. And when she turns around is when she gets clocked. So 
there's that tension building there. And then as Sasha and Bailey are making their way up the ramp, Tamina comes out, lays out Bailey, and Sasha just stands there like, whatevs. So we have the creeping tension between Sasha Banks and Bailey. Um, personally, I don't care. They've done this will they won't they with Sasha and Bailey for so long that at this point, like, if they do it, I don't even know that I care. And, you know, to be honest, when I think about it, I'm not sure that I really want this feud to ever take place anyway. I know a lot of people are yearning for these two to have a feud so that they can rekindle what they had in NXT. But I don't know that they will. And so that's my concern here. If these two have a main roster feud, a real one, can it possibly live up to their feud in NXT? Because their feud in NXT was classic. It's almost been like immortalized at this point. People look and look at that feud and talk about that feud and talk about the the final match at, at Takeover Two. I think it was at Takeover. I think it was Takeover New York Two or I mean, Takeover Brooklyn Two or at um. Take over respect. I forget which one is the, the final one. But people talk about that match as being like an all-time classic, not just women's match, but an all-time classic match in WWE history. And so I'm not sure as a fan that I want them to even touch that feud again. You know, it's like if they can't live up to that feud that they had in NXT... Will it diminish what they had in NXT? Because unfortunately, I think as people, as wrestling fans, we have short-term memory and we're more likely to remember more recent than the past. And even if we do remember the past, it can still be um, hurt by more recent memories. It's something where, like, Shades and I always talk about how, like, the finish of a match could ruin the entirety of a match. Or the main event of a show could ruin the whole show. It's a lasting memory. Sort of like what's going on with Undertaker. You know, Undertaker's had a tremendous career and was always looked at as a top guy, as a main eventer, as, you know, um, a fantastic worker and performer and everything. But, unfortunately, because of the last few years where his body's been broken down, he's having these subpar matches with Roman Reigns or whomever, um, that allure is starting to wear off. Where I'm hearing a lot of wrestling fans saying things like, The Undertaker's overrated. The Undertaker's not that good. The Undertaker's okay. And I think a lot of that comes from more recent memories of what The Undertaker has done and what he's looked at looked like in the past five years versus what he did, how he performed, and what he looked like, you know, from his debut in 1990 at Survivor Series all the way up until the ending of the streak. Because, you know, whether it was his original Dead Man um, character or the Ministry Undertaker or American Badass Undertaker or Dead Evil, or The Return of the Dead Man, all the way through until, and arguably a few years after the ending of the streak, The Undertaker was highly regarded as one of the best in the biz, and no one would touch that. And now there are people who are questioning that. 
people are questioning his place in the pantheon of professional wrestling. And I think part of that comes from, you know, what his career's looked like as of late. And so, relating that back to the Bailey and Sasha thing, I think that could happen with them. I think if they have a main roster feud that is subpar or not as good as their NXT feud, I think people might start to look back at that feud in a lesser light, which is just unfortunate. Sorry, I had to take a drink, guys. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe they should. Maybe they shouldn't. We'll see what happens. And But it looks like they're starting to go down that road based on this week's SmackDown. On the men's side of the Money in the Bank ladder match, <clears throat> we have Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, Aleister Black, um, Apollo Crews, and King Corbin have all qualified for the match. This, uh, I think next week on SmackDown, we'll have Otis taking on Dolph Ziggler for the last spot in the uh, Money in the Bank ladder match. Now, I want to briefly talk about this Otis versus Ziggler match for a few reasons. <clears throat> as far as I, I recall, none of these other qualifying matches had any sort of personal stakes to it. I think maybe Daniel Bryan faced Cesaro, so there's a little bit there. But all these other matches were kind of just matches. Otis and Dolph Ziggler have been in the middle of this feud um, that's been running since February. It's Valentine's Day because of this whole Mandy Rose thing. So we're talking it's been two months. They had the their match at WrestleMania. And so now they're going to be in another match as qualifiers. <sighs> now I understand that WWE has limited staff on hand because of COVID. But I just feel like you could have found other pairings for these two to get them into the match. Or whoever is going to get into the match. If it's going to be Otis, find someone else to pair him against Dolph. Um, instead of Dolph, if it's Dolph, find someone else to pair him against instead of Otis. Um... Because I think you're you're there are two different things going on here, and it makes it feel phonier than otherwise, if that makes sense. So the Money in the Bank ladder match is supposed to be like a company created match, and its participants are supposed to be selected by the company, and they have to have qualifiers and all that. It's not supposed to be personal; it's supposed to be indifferent and unbiased. So having um, one of the qualifying matches being with two guys who are in the middle of a personal feud feels phony to me. Like, let's, I don't know, let's talk about any other sport. You know, let's say, I'll, I'll use hockey as an example because I'm a huge hockey fan. So the NHL playoffs are based on on points, right? So like, where you fall depends on how you did in the, in the season. To qualify to get into the playoffs, you have to win X amount of games and have more points than, you know, whoever else. The odds, I mean, it's like if the NHL, you know, okay, maybe not because it's a points-based system. Okay, let's talk about international play. Fine, international play. There you go. Those usually involve 
qualifying matches against other nations that are almost random or based on tournaments rather than any sort of rivalry. It's like if the IIHF put USA versus Canada in a qualifying match. Doesn't make any sense. A, you would want these two teams to be facing against each other in the actual tournament itself. And B, it's none of your business who has a rivalry. It should just be you have to qualify. You qualify by beating X amount of person. So Otis versus Ziggler being a qualifying match feels phony to me. But it is professional wrestling as Ronda Rousey has so adamantly told the whole world. It's fake fighting, so who cares, right? Yeah, thanks, Ronda. My other issue with this match is they're replaying the... Uh, and now, this is more about my issue with this feud than anything else. Today, during SmackDown, they were, re- they, they were airing a package that kind of summed up the road to this rivalry. And they played a clip from, from last week where Sonya full-on flipped on Mandy Rose, cut that amazing promo... And her and Mandy get into it, and then Dolph Ziggler comes out, and he's trying to appeal to Mandy Rose, and then Sonya clocks Mandy, and then Otis comes out, and he gets to a fight with Dolph, and Sonya jumps on Otis, and then Mandy takes down Sonya, and blah, blah, blah. Okay. My issue is that when you look at these four people and their acting and their personalities and their character work, it's like an old school coloring book where you have to circle, where you have a page of a bunch of images that are related to one another. And then there's that one object that has nothing to do with anything. And it's like, which of these does not belong? And you'll have like a basketball a football, a baseball, and then, like, a piano. So you circle the piano. Well, Otis is a grand old piano. You have Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, and Dolph Ziggler. And this is not, do not get me wrong, this is not a physical appearance thing. This is not about these are pretty people, and Otis is not pretty. No, it's not about that. It's about you have these three people who are playing these serious, real-life characters who, last week, I thought was probably the best acting that all three of them have ever done. Sonya cuts that fantastic promo about how, like, she is so sick and tired of being looked at as second in, in Fire and Desire behind Mandy Rose. And now Mandy Rose is just a face and she's a, a doll and all this other stuff. Mandy looks all serious. She's like, I can't forgive you for what you did to me and Otis. And I'm so happy I hit you and blah, blah, blah. Dolph is like, please, baby, just, just hear me out. I'm sorry. You're right. I went about this the wrong way. But you can't like pretend like what we had wasn't real. And then you have Otis who comes out. And when he's running down the ramp, he's his arms are flailing like he's a bushwhacker. And and he's like with his like weird mumbly stuttery, Monday Rose, pretty lady, my peach, my peach. Like it ta- it I I can't take this 
this whole thing seriously, and I feel like an idiot, because Otis looks like an idiot, and and again, I'm not talking about aesthetic, I'm not talking about the fact that he's a big guy, dude, I am big guy, I am all about this storyline of the big guy gets his girl, but, like, he can't be so derpy, like, you have Mandy and Sonya and Dolph putting in this serious work, and then you have, like, it's, it's like if you throw in, like, a really bad Jack Black character, and this is not, I like Jack Black, but I'm saying, like, an over-the-top Jack Black character in the middle of, like, an Oscar-winning movie. It's like you're watching Saved Private Ryan, and all of a sudden you get Jack Black's character from Tropic Thunder. Like, you would just ruin the entire thing. And I kind of feel like that's what's going on here, for me at least. I, I'm not, Again, I can't speak for Shades. I can't speak for anyone else. But for me, like, watching that clip and watching Otis in the middle of this feud, I'm just like, man, he looks like a buffoon. And is just taking away from everything else. Like, I would be buying so much more into this. Especially the different character elements that are going on. Because if you really look at what Dolph is doing, Dolph is almost coming off as if he's not really a bad guy. Because he's shown, like, the way he came off on SmackDown last week was that he is someone who legitimately cares about Mandy. And he does have feelings for Mandy. He may have gone about it the wrong way by, you know going in cahoots with Sonya to manipulate the situation, but he comes off as sincere. And yet that like the minutiae of that performance, that 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 what he's doing, the nuance and the skill that Dolph is portraying in his character work right there, the intensity and the emotion that Sonya's displaying, that great promo that she's doing, and the real grounded, I'm sticking by my man that Mandy's doing, to me it all falls so flat when you have a cartoon character come down. I just, I don't know. I don't, I, obviously, Otis has a character built in, and I think that character is part of why fans bought into this storyline. And so I understand that like what I'm kind of, what I'm asking for is kind of doesn't really make sense in terms of where we are and how we got here. And I get that. I trust, trust me, I understand. And I, and I'm not saying that there's a solution to this issue. I'm just saying that to me with what the other three are doing, Otis does not work. Obviously, this feud is not going away anytime soon. We still have to have um, Mandy versus Sonya, and or we have to have the Mandy and Otis versus Sonya and Dolph. Like those are at least those two matches have to happen because that's how WWE operates. And so we got a ways to go before this is over. Probably SummerSlam or I don't know. Hopefully not Survivor Series because that'd be ridiculous. <coughs> Excuse me, folks. Um, the end of um, let's see. Do I want to go through Wednesday? Let's do Wednesday. So, AEW 
has regained their footing on NXT in the ratings after losing two weeks in a row. Um, getting an average viewership of 731,000 to NXT's 665,000. So not a grand win, you know, less than 100,000, but W's a W. And so they're back on top. Um, while NXT had the cruiserweight tournament going on, AEW is still in the middle of their TNT championship tournament. We have two matches that resulted in people advancing. So we had Darby Allen defeating Sammy Guevara in a fantastic match that really could have gone either way. Um, that finished with a very unique pinning uh, combination by De- by Darby Allen, where it almost looked like he was putting Guevara into a figure four, but then flipped into like a jackknife kind of thing, and so Darby Allen goes over and he is the he advances in the TNT Championship tournament. On the other side of the bracket, the story going into the show was that Dusty Rhodes, who was facing Kip Sabian, has put his had put his career on the line in this match. In a segment that was aired during the show, there was a phone call with him and Cody, where he told Cody, you know, I feel like I have more in the tank, I feel like I showed with our match at Double or Nothing that I can still do this and I'm better than ever, but I need to, like, I still need to prove it, so if I can't beat Kip Sabian, then I'm going to retire. So that was the story going into the show. Um... I'm not going to lie, going in, I wasn't sure where this was going to go, because typically when they do a, a career-on-the-line match, that's normally when that person loses and they do lose their career. But it also didn't really make sense to, to me for Dustin to just bow out right now. Well, don't got to worry about that. Because in the main event, Dustin Rhodes did defeat Kip Sabian to advance in the TNT tournament and to continue his career as a professional wrestler. One last bit of news. I apologize for not putting this sooner than non-WWE, but it was mixed up in the notes. Cody has filed trademark for Cody Rhodes. Now, from what I understand from years past that Cody has said in interviews is that the name Rhodes or Cody Rhodes was not owned by WWE, but he personally chose to go by the name Cody when he left WWE because he did not want the perception that he was trying to build his career on top of his father's last name. So when he left WWE and he hit the indie scene and Ring of Honor and New Japan and all that, he wrestled as just the name Cody. Same with here in AEW. Here in AEW is if I work for AEW. Um, same with AEW. He wrestles under the name just simply Cody. Now, I'm wondering if he's trademarked the name Cody Rhodes for future use or for back use or because he wants to go ahead and start using Cody Rhodes' name. I know, I mean, his wife Brandy uses it and his brother Dustin uses it. They both wrestle as, or they appear professionally as Brandy Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes respectively. So I don't know if Cody wants to start going by Cody Rhodes again. Or maybe this is just a personal thing where he just wants to own it for the sake of owning it because that's his name and it's his father's 
professional last name. Obviously, it's not his real last name, but you know. So there's yeah, I'm not sure what the purpose is of this, but Cody is has filed a trademark for the name Cody Rhodes, which, in my opinion, he should have no problem getting. And uh, yeah, so that's that. Now. Like I said, NXT has their um, their tournament to crown the interim cruiserweight champion, um, which surprisingly, or I don't know, not surprisingly, features, in my opinion, surprisingly, features Drake Maverick, despite the fact that he was actually fired on Wednesday, but they allowed him to continue to have this match. I mean... I didn't think he was going to go far in the tournament anyway because, like I said, he got fired. But he was in the match anyway. So he actually ends up losing to Jake Atlas. And so I don't know. There's some speculation as to whether or not Drake Maverick will come back because there's rumors that somebody who was recently fired, will be coming back to WWE. I don't know who or what that is. So I don't know if that's Drake or not, but he lost his match against Jake Atlas. Um, and Kushida defeated Tony Nese. So there you go. That's where the... Oh, and then El Hijo de Fantasma defeated Gentleman Jack Gallagher. So, that is, um, that's where the NXT Cruiserweight Tournament is standing as of now. Last thing that went on this week in professional wrestling on SmackDown, the, you know, they've been running ads about this for like forever weeks now, and so tonight was the celebration of Triple H's 25 years in WWE, um, I love how they said his 25 years in WWE, not his 25, 25 years of professional wrestling because they don't want to not acknowledge his work in WCW. Um, so, I don't know. This just felt like uber filler. And this probably would have landed better in front of an audience because Trips and Shawn Michaels were cracking jokes and they kind of fall flat when there's no one there to laugh, you know? But then, like, it got really hokey and corny, in my opinion. And it started to kind of run its course real quick. Where, um, Shawn Michaels is like, oh, things were so much fun until you met her. And then Stephanie calls. And she's like, you know, I'm watching the show. I can hear Shawn and see Shawn talking about me. And they have the FaceTime. They have... So Triple H answers the phone, then it's on FaceTime, and they have the camera over his shoulder so you can see his phone is actually legitimately FaceTime calling Stephanie. And then as soon as he hangs up with Stephanie, he gets another call, and it's Ric Flair. And Ric Flair awkwardly is like, yeah, I love you, you're the best, you deserve it, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't even know what else to say, um, I can't even talk. So Triple H hangs up, he calls it back, and it's Ric Flair crying. So they go to commercial. They come back from commercial, and now he's on the he's now he's FaceTiming Road Dog. 
And he's like, yeah, that was Rick, and he was crying, and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, okay, cool, Brian, talk to you later. Click, hangs up on him. And then, um, so before all that, oh, before all that, this is, if there was ever anything that shows the juvenile sense of humor of a senile old man, they show the first thing that they show is uh like a blooper reel of thing of gaffs in triple h's career so there was that promo that og dx cut in like the um to make it look like a presidential announcement and they can't get through it and there's other bloopers and stuff and at first i'm like okay whatever it's fine you can kind of hear some music in the background that's kind of goofy but i'm like all right it's a blooper reel so fine but then Shawn Michaels starts talking about WrestleMania. And at first I was like, ha, you're mentioning how many matches Triple H has had in WrestleMania, but are you going to mention how many times he's lost at WrestleMania? And then that becomes the joke. So then he they air a video showing how many times Triple H has lost at WrestleMania. And now this, to me, is when it becomes, this is when we start to go down and it starts to fall into just, ugh, this is dumb. Because they start playing this really corny, hokey, like, Benny Hill-style music behind these highlights of Triple H losing. And then there's a totally obvious, really like, recently recorded voiceover of Michael Cole saying, Triple H loses at WrestleMania again, and again, and again, and again. And clearly, obviously, while these shows were taking place, Michael Cole was not saying Triple H loses again for them to have spliced that together. He clearly got into the booth and recorded that this week. And the entire time, again, there's that like weird kind of music. And like, <laughs> like the joke is funny by itself without having to do the silly music and the Michael Cole again and again and again. Like, you're overdoing it. You you had a funny joke and you overdid it. Like, have you ever been in a group of friends and someone tells a really funny joke and everyone's laughing and then someone tries to add to it and make it even funnier and it just falls flat? That's what this was. You had a joke. It was funny. You leave it alone. But no, they had to go ahead and goof it up. And then you had the aforementioned voice, uh, I mean, the, the FaceTime calls. And then Vince McMahon comes out. And, oh, man, does he look and sound old. Everything he says is in a gravelly voice like this. Um, which, you know, that was something they used to channel. And now just, like, his go-to voice. Um, and he's, like, cracking wise on Triple H. Talking about how, like, not even cracking wise, just calling him bad and boring and an awful performer, like, jokingly. I'm like, man, this doesn't even feel funny. This just feels, like, lame. And he's like, okay, well, you know, shut it down. And he, like, walks off the stage. And Triple H's like, is they kicking this out now? And so they start to shut off the lights. And he's like, oh, I guess you're kicking this out. And then they play audio of crickets. And as they go off, you just hear Shawn Michaels going, do you hear crickets? And I was like, oh, my God. Oh. Oh. 
Oh my god. Oh. Oh, and during Ms. McMahon's whole spiel, this he. Oh man, this I swear he doesn't know what he's doing. The man starts to reference like really bad segments in WWE history. So he talks about the gobbledygooker and the Katie Vick thing, and then he goes, "At least it's not as bad." As the Bailey, this is your life moment. Remember that? And then he goes, which is not Bailey's fault, by the way. I'm just like, oh my, oh my God. Like, <sighs> Vince, shut up. Just, just go to the back and, and be your weird, crazy self. Just, uh, I don't know. I, I very much dislike the way that the show ended. I just thought it was really corny and lame and just bleh whatever anyway so in professional wrestling as you all know there are plenty of good seats there's also plenty of bad ones but in the world of professional wrestling they all contribute to this tree this garden the forest the world that is professional wrestling so let's look at some good seeds and some bad seeds for the week, shall we? Um, good seed for the week, I will give to the Darby Allen versus Sammy Guevara match. I thought this was a fantastic match. Um, with as I've always said, the best matches are the matches where you never know who's going to win. And I thought from Jump Street that this match could go either way. And it wasn't until the finish that I, like, I was like, oh, Darby's going to win. Cool. Very good match. Nice ending. I'll give that my 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 good seed of the week. Oh, man, my bad seed can go a lot of directions. Um, I can give it to the Dream Scandal. I can give it to Vince being sued. The Triple H Celebration. Um... So, for the first time ever, I think I'm going to split my seed. I'm going to give two bad seeds. I can do that. This is my show. I can do whatever I want. So, I'm going to give half of my bad seed to the Velveteen Dream scandal. If this is true, if Velveteen Dream did send inappropriate pictures or any other inappropriate content to a minor, that is just not cool. And, and that's an understatement. It's disgusting. It's horrid. That's definitely worthy of a bad seed. The only reason it's not getting the whole bad seed is because I don't know if it's true or not yet. And then the other half goes to AEW for doing live, you know, every other week. I don't like it. I, I can't I can't give them a pass while, you know, villainizing or vilifying rather WWE for doing the same. I'm sorry. I love you guys, I support you guys, but record like a whole bunch of shows in one sitting, send everyone home and then do it again. Do not do this every other week thing. It's not okay. But anyway, that's going to wrap up the show. I thank you all for sticking along, even though it's been a solo show. I really do appreciate it. Um, you've been listening to us on soundcloud.com slash grapples apples. This grapples the number two apples. If you don't like SoundCloud, don't forget you got Google Play Music, you got Apple Podcasts. Doesn't matter where you're listening, as long as you're listening. 
Don't forget to check out our social media pages. That's Facebook.com and Twitter.com slash Grapples. Apples is Grapples at number two. Apples, like, comment, share, subscribe. Do whatever you got to do to put us in as many eyes and ears as humanly possible. We really need it, and we really appreciate it. As always, I've been one of your hosts. Ill will the thrill, the poetarian, Shakespearean candidate, major English, whatever you need me to be, that's who I'll be, because baby, that's who I is. Unfortunately, this week, I am flying solo, not joined by my main man, Shades. I could do his whole bit if I wanted to, but I won't, because that's you, you listen to that for him. You listen to him for that. That's not for me. That's not my bag. That's his bag. As always, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out any episodes you may have missed this week, next week, and every other week. Because an apple a day keeps a bad wrestling away. Peace.